Welcome, welcome. Good to see you all. Thanks for making your way here and uh, making church a priority and having God be part of your life. It's an honor to be uh, preaching with you. And so I, in the middle of the series, uh, which we've called Be Joyful. Now, if uh, you haven't been part of the previous few weeks, uh, you're welcome to uh, go online, and uh, I encourage you to do that and, and listen to the previous sermons. Uh, but today's title is uh, Finding Joy Despite Difficulties. So it's sort of like counterintuitive. Normally, we would think of being joyful when everything's great in our lives. Uh, and yet, uh, from the Lord's perspective, from God's perspective, uh, God is saying we can experience joy. Our lives can be joyful despite uh, the circumstances that we find ourselves in being difficult. So, you know, obviously we're not living in heaven at the moment. We are going to go through seasons of difficulties. Uh, you might find that you're in a season right now where things are difficult. Uh, you know, we go through all sorts of difficulties. Uh, physical health issues, uh, people that we love that die. Sometimes it's tragic, there's accidents. Uh, I mean, we have just like, there's no shortage of ideas on things which are really difficult in our lives. Uh, the sort of the, the weird one is, how do you experience a sense of joy when things are happening in your life and around your life that you just don't like and you don't care for and you wish it was over or you wish it was something different or uh, somehow the circumstances could be different to what they are. Uh, and I'm not talking about some sort of uh, superficial joy where, you know, artificially you're just smiling, meantime inside you're just dying. I'm talking about perhaps the other way around where uh, internally you have something which is uh, rooted somehow that you feel okay um, I don't like what's happening but I feel a sense of joy a sense of peace uh, because God is giving it to me or what I want to share today is how do we experience that uh, joy uh, and how do we connect with with God in this when we're in a situation that we don't like uh, and like I said you might be in a situation now that you don't like or a situation just come through, or you're going to have one in the future. We are all going to experience uh, difficulties. Uh, that's just, that's, it's part of life. Uh, I want to show you a video clip um, by this guy, Nick uh, Vojacek. Maybe uh, some of you are familiar with him, but uh, he's a pretty inspiring guy, and I was thinking of our, our, our teenagers and our youth because uh, they got to sit and listen to me for a long time, and uh, as I'm preaching, and I thought, well, you know, I'd, I'd give them at least something which, throw the, I'll throw them a bone, put it that way, you know, something that they can enjoy too. So here we go. I wasn't ready. legs, but I'm very thankful that I have my little chicken drumstick here. 
people freak out when they see me for the first time. It's so cool. I was at a water slide uh, all by myself. Everyone obviously at the bottom of the slide is looking up and waiting for other people to come down. And here I come and they're freaking out. They're like, you know, like this. And I was so tempted to look at myself and go, what happened? You know? And there were times where I sort of looked at my life and thinking, well, I can't do this and I can't do that. And you keep on concentrating on the things that you wish you had or the things that you wish you didn't have. And you sort of forget what you do have. And there's no point, I believe, in my life where I wish I had arms, legs, I wish I had arms, legs, I wish I had arms, legs, because wishing won't help. But what I've seen in life are just a couple key principles. And the first thing that I've seen is to be thankful. It's hard to be thankful, man. I tell you, when I was eight years old, I, I sort of summed up my life and thought, I'm never going to get married. I'm, you know, I'm not going to have a job. I'm not going to have a life of purpose. What kind of a husband am, am I going to be if I can't even hold my wife's hand? It's a lie to think that you're not good enough. It's a lie to think that you're not worth anything. I can't feel my hands. <laughs> I love life. You know, so many people come and say, how come you smile so much? And I'm like, well, it's, it's, it's a long story. <laughs> but it's very simple at the same time. You see, it's very hard to smile sometimes in life. There are things that happen that you don't know and you don't understand and you don't know if you're going to get through it. You know, you go through your storms in life and you don't know how long the storm's going to be. Today I want to share with you some principles that I've learned in my life that you can use in yours. Being patient is beautiful. I, I tell you, it's the hardest thing. But I realize I may not have hands to hold my wife's hand. But when the time comes, I'll be able to hold her heart. I don't need hands to hold her heart. You know, it is scary to know how many girls have eating disorders. It is scary to know how many people are just angry at life because of their situation at home and angry at others. It's scary to know how many people actually feel like they're worth nothing. Every single girl right here, right now, I want you to know that you are you are gorgeous just the way you are. And you boys, you're the man. On this DVD, I share my experiences in life of how I've overcome challenges and seen a new, fresh perspective in life. To be thankful, to dream big, and to never give up. I speak to children, youth, and adults about key issues and principles that I've applied in my life that has given me the strength to conquer all that comes before me. Here's a, you know, obviously it's inspiring just watching somebody that has so much adversity and then you see he's like so joyful. I mean, he's a, a very committed Christian. This wasn't a, a, a Christian audience. He wasn't making a, a pitch for, for faith. Uh, and yet he's a pretty well-known speaker speaking on faith and how Christ has made a difference in his life and, and how his foundation is uh, in Christ. But, you know, the reason I showed that uh, clip was, well, several 
reasons. One, like I said, to throw a bone for our youth and our kids. Good job, you guys. Uh, now you can hang in there and listen to me for the rest. Uh, but uh, let me just say this. I, I, I think he's got a point. I think uh, w sometimes we do uh, see small things in our lives, uh, and, and especially as teenagers, they just like loom large. You know, what we look like, our sense of self-worth, and uh, they just become all-consuming. Uh, but I, what I'm not trying to do with this video, I'm not trying to say, okay, like, you're in pain, your life hurts, uh, but just suck it up because here's somebody whose life's worse, you know, and so just get along. I, I'm not saying that. What I am saying is uh, here's somebody who has found a way of overcoming uh, his pain and his circumstances and uh, has said, look, on a lifetime spectrum, uh, my life is a life of joy. And, uh, you know, he does. He, he radiates that. So, uh, yeah, let's, let's talk a little bit about this. You know, joyfulness uh, is, is a little bit of a mystery. Uh, not that I've had personal experience, but it's sort of like when you deliver a kid. <laughs> you know, there's, like, there's a lot of pain involved, apparently. Uh, but there's a lot of joy involved. You know, that's like why you go, th go through childbirth. And it's a weird combination. It's like nobody's looking forward to the pain, but we're certainly looking forward to the joy afterwards. And sometimes I think circumstances in our lives are, are similar. We, they're painful, but they shouldn't control us. They shouldn't, be, they shouldn't define us. There's something bigger and greater than us, uh, God, who is involved in our lives, who wants to be involved in our lives, that gives us hope, gives us a sense of purpose and a sense of joy. And uh, I want us to be uh, looking at that uh, this morning. Now, part of the way God works is that he speaks to us uh, sometimes directly, but more often than not through each other. Uh, he uses, you know, you and I to lift each other up and to talk to us and to empathize with us. And uh, God has designed this uh, organization called the church. And uh, uh, that's part of what happens in church. We, we come together to focus on God, uh, primarily to, you know, fix our eyes on Him, look up. But at the, other, at the same time, we're also coming to have some sense of connection either through the preaching or through worship or through connecting with friends uh, to get a sense of encouragement, relationship. Uh, that's part of what church life is about. And that's the way that God has designed it. He's designed us to have an organization, a church, uh, as His vehicle to bring hope and light uh, into a broken world. And, uh, you know, I know we live in an area that's not very churched, uh, and many people would vehemently disagree. They'd say, look, I'm not going to waste my Sunday morning. You guys are an exception. You've taken the time out. You're saying, I, I want to either experience God, or I want to check out this church, or you're saying, you know, I'm, that's my lifestyle. I'm committed you know, week in and week out, it's who I am. We go to church because uh, I'm going to connect with God. It's, God is going to give me joy. There's going to be a sense of when I do it God's way, my life is going to be a life of blessing over the long haul, when you look at the whole, your whole life. So uh, the point that I want to make today is we can experience joy despite difficulties, very real difficulties that we might be experiencing experiencing presently. 
So let me just uh, pray and ask the Lord to, uh, to be with us here. Lord, we just uh, welcome you. Uh, our desire is that we would know you better and uh, uh, more and that you would be involved in our pain and uh, involved in our joy, uh, that uh, you would be very real to us, that we would hear from you, we'd be encouraged by you. We would sense that uh, you're active in our lives. So I just invite the Holy Spirit to, to be here. You, you're welcome in this place. Uh, speak through me, speak to us. Uh, and just put some heat on this message that what I'm preaching today would be relevant and helpful. Uh, but most importantly, Lord, that it would be a way where people are connecting with you. They're hearing your voice and sensing your presence and your love for each person here and where they're at in life. So we lift this uh, morning up to you. In your name, Jesus. Amen. So this... Uh, this sermon series I'm doing is through the book of uh, the New Testament book of Philippians. And uh, this morning I want to uh, read this section to you, which is Philippians chapter 1, verse 12 through 19. Now, uh, hopefully you've had a few cups of coffee, because uh, you, you kind of have to press in a little bit here. As I read through this, I would not be that surprised if you sort of like start zoning out, or you, you're thinking like, what is actually all this about? Or really, because we self-centered, you're going to be thinking, how is this relevant to my life today? You know, what has this got to do with me? So uh, here we go. And I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me, now I'm reading from the New Living Translation, Everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. That's Paul, the apostle, uh, sitting in jail uh, saying this. Uh, that everything that happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. It's true that some are uh, preaching out of jealousy and rivalry, but others preach about Christ with pure motives. They preach because they love, because they love me, for they know I have been appointed to defend the good news. Those others do not have pure motives as they preach about Christ. They preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely, intending to make my chains more painful to me. But that doesn't matter. Whether their motives are false or genuine, the message about Christ is being preached either way. So I rejoice, and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that you pray for me, and that the Spirit of Jesus Christ helps me. This will lead to my deliverance. So as I, you know, as I was saying, here's a passage out of Philippians, and it's all about Paul. He's sitting in prison, and uh, you know, he's talking about, you know, that it's uncomfortable, and yet the gods are hearing about Jesus, and the message is going out. And the tendency for us is to is to say, well, what has that got to do with me? Now, if you're a seasoned church person, uh, there's no mystery here. You're saying, okay, I, I, I get it. I'm, I'm listening to see what 
Christ is saying through these verses to me specifically. But if you're new to church uh, or new to the Bible, uh, let me try and explain to you how the Spirit of God works uh, as we pick up the Word of God and read it. One of the uh, amazing things about the Bible, unlike a history book, if you're picking up a history book and you're reading about some guy you know, that lived a long time ago and he was sitting in some prison cell and uh, he was muttering a few things and scratched some notes down on a piece of paper, uh, you would walk away thinking, okay, that was kind of like maybe history or maybe it was interesting or... 90% of the chance you'd be walking away thinking, ah, so what? Uh, and yet, the same kind of situation, because it's in the Word of God, uh, God does something uh, which is really powerful. He uses the Holy Spirit to take the Word which God has, has, has written, which God has given us, and He uses like what would be an ordinary, everyday, boring historical-like situation of Paul stuck in a Roman prison way back when, and God used it to speak to us today. Uh, this is one of the reasons why the Bible uh, is read over and over again, and why uh, when we read passages like this, we still find it interesting and relevant uh, today. It's not because, uh, you know, Paul was sitting in the prison 2,000 years ago. It's because we're anticipating uh, God saying something to us as we read it. And the way God talks to us is, firstly, we get insight from the Apostle Paul as to who is God and how does God relate and how does the Apostle Paul speak to God and how did God speak to the Apostle Paul and, and uh, you know, what was his life like? And we realize pretty quickly that Paul's life was rough. He was in jail. He didn't want to be in jail. And yet, Paul is saying, I'm experiencing all this joy. And it's like a weird type of joy because he doesn't want to be in jail, but he is experiencing joy because God is doing something in his life. And the thing that God is doing is he's like letting the jailers like hear the message. Now, just let me just think of this. This is such a, an interesting uh, thought process. Uh, Paul is saying, man, I've got these guys. They have to, they, the, the, the guards... They have to do like six-hour shifts, and then they change. And Paul's like, great, i got a captive audience. Six hours. I'm going to talk about Jesus. These guys can't go anywhere. They, they can disagree with me. I don't mind if I argue with them. But six-hour shift, man, and then i got the next guy, and I'm going to work over him. And, and he's noticing as he's preaching to the gods, and like words getting out, the gods are listening, and the gods are telling other gods, and... And, you know, Paul is thinking, how was I ever going to take the gospel, the message of Jesus Christ? How was I going to take it from Jerusalem to then, like, the big city, to Rome? You know, like, how am I going to get an inroad there? Well, this, this is how God chose to use it. It's not, it, I can guarantee you, it wasn't Paul's plan. Paul wasn't thinking, this is a great plan, let me go to jail. No, Paul had probably a whole, much, a whole different plan. And in a similar way, God speaks to us. He uses what, what we can read about Paul for our own circumstances. So, um, yeah, I, you know, talking about jail and difficulties and hardship, it, it, it's, it's a lot. I mean, I, 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 sometimes we uh, trivialize our difficulties 
And uh, what you know, we think is difficult is, is really not that difficult. Uh, other times we sort of dismiss them or we don't learn anything from them. Uh, you know, think about it. If you and I were sitting in jail in Paul's place, what would you have written? I mean, if I was sitting in Paul's place, I would think, God, this sucks. I don't want to be in jail. I'm trying to be a pastor. I'm trying to preach a word of God. And this is what you do to me? You stick me in jail? I, I, I was sort of picturing like this big like, you know, auditorium filled with thousands of people and like just a luxurious lifestyle and everybody just praises you how great you are and, you know, just like regular church life, you know, like every day. But here's Paul and he's like, what would you write? You'd be writing, you'd be writing the same as me. You'd be saying, God, I spent my whole life serving you. I, I've been honoring you. I've been doing everything you tell me to do. And, and now I'm stuck in prison? Like, where are you, God? What are you going to do about it? Like, is this what you do to me, your servant? I've been busting my chops for you. And, you know, the, the food's not that great. And the pay's terrible. And people are complaining. Uh, that's what you and I would do. Now, I, I don't know what the teenagers would do, but if the teenager was sitting in prison, they'd probably say, you know, the internet's been down for like three hours. I mean, I don't care about the food, but like, when's the Wi-Fi coming back up? I mean, this is torture. I can't, how long am I going to sit here for? You know, somebody work on that. I, I don't know. We, we would write a different story than, than what the apostle uh, wrote when, when he was sitting in prison. So if you've got a bulletin insert, I, I want to make this point uh, here and... Uh, the first part is you're going to have to change my bullet insert because I changed my mind. So, hey, that makes it more fun. So the first point I want to make is this. Sometimes our joy is found when we find our higher purpose. Uh, and our higher purpose from a Christian standpoint is to honor Jesus and to honor others. But, you know, as you, Again, as our teens are, you know, many are seniors or juniors trying to figure out careers and you're trying to figure out what should I do in life. The part of our planning, a part of our, what gives us life is to realize that we're making a difference and we're adding value to life and we typically choose a, a career, like if you're going to be a doctor or a, or a teacher or a, an engineer or an architect, you know, what's appealing to certain professions is this idea that you're going to make a difference in this world. I mean, if you're going to be an engineer, just, I know we don't have any civil engineers here because you're all like computer engineers, but like for somebody that needs to see something, like so you're going to be a civil engineer, you're going to build a bridge. It's like, okay, I, this is rewarding. I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to get a bridge built over the river or whatever, and it's going to help society and it'll be fun doing it. And so that's rewarding. Or you're going to be a doctor and you say, I'm going to help people to get well. There's some purpose in what you're doing that you find rewarding. That's, that's why we find work uh, fulfilling. So we look for a higher purpose. But there's something as believers that is highly motivational. And that is in our daily lives or in our professions or in what we're doing, if we have any ability uh, to see a higher calling or a higher purpose spiritually in what we're doing. Uh, uh, you know, it might be, well, let me say this. Anytime God uses us uh, uh, to help somebody else, we get 
like a strange like benefit like like we get some weird kind of enjoyment or approval from god or like a pat on the back by god saying well done you know or god saying you know i'm proud of you 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 did that for instance you might be down at a gas station just pumping gas and uh you know something happens to somebody next door and uh, pumping gas and and like maybe the circumstances just happen out that you engage in a conversation and maybe you end up praying for that person. You know, you would leave uh, that ordinary pumping gas thing and say, that was great, i got to pray for somebody. God has wired us in a, in a way that we, when we connect with Him, when, when there's something that we're working with Him, or God is working through us to help others in any way, it might be, seem very trivial, it's very rewarding for us. We find a sense of joy despite the mundane or the ordinariness or the difficulties of our circumstances. So I am saying this, just like Paul, stuck in prison, just like us, when we're going through like difficulties or difficult situations, when we have the ability to connect with God and realize there's something good that's coming about our bad circumstances, or God is using us, or using the circumstances to shape us, or to help others. There's something rewarding that comes. We sense a type of joy when we are partnering with what God is doing on this earth. We, we, we receive it. We sense it. So, uh, we should do more about that. Uh, I think one of the mistakes that we tend to make when we think about sharing God with others is we think we need to preach to people uh, or we need to defend the gospel or we need to quote a Bible verse or and while that's all very good I think it gets overdone uh, because often the recipient can't hear what we're saying because they're looking at our own lives and they're saying okay before you solve my difficulties and my difficult situation let me just look at your life and see do you have any sort of joy in your life before you start dictating a Bible verse or quoting a Bible verse, you know, the person is like not able to listen to what you're saying because they're first doing a, a, you know, a scan. Like, okay, is this believable? Like, is your life believable? Are you believable? And if it is, if there's some sense of authenticity coming through, the person will be listening. Now, here's the other mis misnomer about the Christian life. What's really appealing to others isn't like we've got life all figured out and our lives are just perfect and we've got the Bible memorized and now we're going to dispense this wise wisdom like a college professor, like we're just an expert in our field and we just dish it out to, you know, those poor subjects out there and they just need to listen. And if they listen, it'll just really be blessed. Often the way God is using us is the way He's using Paul. we in bad shape. Our life is not great. And somehow or other, we're able to communicate to our friends that our hope is in God. And the person's looking at us and saying, wait, this situation you're in is so messed up, but you've got an element of joy because you have faith in Jesus. That becomes compelling. That becomes like, okay, now tell me more. Like, how is it in your circumstance you can still have joy and a sense of hope. And okay, now you've got a forum. So what I am saying is when we're authentic, uh, when we share 
with people, not only our struggles, but the reason why we have a hope, despite our struggles. It's very compelling. And Paul is sitting in prison. He's sharing with the prison guards. He's sharing with whoever he can share. And he's telling them about Jesus and how great Jesus is. Now, obviously, the prison guards are going to be saying, Paul, if Jesus was so great, why the heck are you sitting in prison? You know, and, and Paul can explain it. And at the same time, the prison, the prison guards are probably saying, if your God's so powerful, why doesn't he get you out of here? And then Paul can explain that too. And, you know, Paul's answer would be, God can get me out of here. In fact, God has got me out of a whole bunch of prisons. But you know what? If, I, if God doesn't get me out of here, I'm still content. Now, that's the other part of, of Paul's message. It's very, very compelling. So I do think there's a sense of joy when we can find a higher purpose in uh, what it is that we're doing and uh, what is is that we saying with our situation. So uh, let me just read what P the Apostle Paul was saying again. He says in verse 12 to 14, And I want you to know, dear, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything, everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. You see, Paul is connecting with a higher purpose and he's saying, everything's working to spread the good news. Paul is seeing a purpose in his prison time. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. Paul has realized that, you know, as he's had the courage to speak up in prison, where he could be punished. Uh, it's giving boldness to other people to speak up in a less threatening environment. And people are speaking up. And people are you know, gaining confidence because of Paul. Paul's seeing all sorts of angles, or should I say, God is opening up Paul's eyes to see all sorts of angles that despite his difficulties, God is using it. And God's in it. Uh, it's, it's very confusing for us as believers to understand this concept because we have a mindset which is very similar to those that don't believe. It's like if, if things go onwards and upwards, we get more money and a promotion and things are easier and more comfortable, God's blessing us. And if it isn't, then, uh, you know, where's God? And while God can certainly bless us with incredible, you know, luxury and wealth, uh, that's not generally the, the only way that God blesses us. So the second point uh, is sort of similar to what I've just been saying. It's saying joy in seeing the kingdom advance despite our difficulties. We all can experience this particular type of joy where God is up to something in this world. And when God uses us to advance His kingdom, to, uh, to, when God uses us to do something that makes a difference where... Jesus becomes more famous, or Jesus becomes more well-known, or Jesus becomes more personal to somebody that didn't know Him. There's something rewarding for us as we partner with God. And, you know, we have to have the mindset that God is up to something all the time, every day, in and around us. God is at work. And our joy and our delight is to figure out, God, what are you doing? Not only in my life, but in the lives of those around us, and how can I be part 
you know, God, use me. How can I be part of advancing your kingdom? What role do you want me to play? Is it, you know, helping somebody? Is it, you know, what role is it? Is it praying for somebody? Uh, there's something that, uh, that we can use, something we can do uh, to be used by God. Uh, you know, we had, I had a lady here that was at church. Her name is Fumi. And uh, Fumi was part of us uh, for a while. Uh, and she's from Nigeria. She's a, a U.S. citizen. And she decided to go back to Nigeria uh, because she wanted to adopt a baby and then bring the Nigerian daughter uh, back to the States. And she's in the process and she's in the final legs of that. I think she'll be here uh, soon. But uh, one of the things that was such a head tilt for me was uh, just talking to uh, Fumi in Nigeria, in Lagos, and uh, her church life. Because I'm thinking, okay, so, you know, how does that look, Fumi? Yeah, we are in, in America. She's been part of our church. And, you know, so I said to Fumi, so tell me about church life where you're at. And she said, oh, well, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty big church. So I'm thinking, okay, well, what's pretty big? thousand people? She says, uh, no, it's like 20,000. I'm like, okay, that's, that, that's pretty big. Yeah, you're, you're right about that, Fumi. It's a pretty big church. Uh, so I said, wow, so like, okay, you're Nigeria. Uh, it's Africa. Um, I said, so tell me about the pastor. Oh, the pastor, he's, he's really, really wealthy. And I'm thinking, wealthy? I'm like, okay, so what does he have, a new car? I'm like, you know, I don't know what does wealthy look like in Nigeria. She says, no, he's got a new Learjet. I'm like, what? I mean, I'm like, new Learjet? I said, how does that work? She says, no, well, when they do the offering, they don't walk around a little measly little plate. They have 55-gallon drums at the back of the sanctuary. And they're like, you know, 20,000 people all putting stuff in there. And she says, man, the pastors are really wealthy. They've got Learjets. There's 20,000 people in the church. And oh, I'm, I'm doing a head spin. I'm thinking... Wow, okay, so here we are in wealthy America. We've got our church. She's had a church experience here, and now she's down there. And, I, and I'm thinking, okay, so Fumi, how does, that, how does that work? And, you know, this is what the Apostle Paul is saying. The Apostle Paul, uh, in, in this section, let me read it to you. Uh, he, he's like, people are really angry that church doesn't look the way church should look, and people are preaching the way they shouldn't be preaching. And, and Paul has this to say. He says this in verse 15. It's true that some of you are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry, but others preach about Christ with pure motives. They preach because they love me, for they know that I have been appointed to defend the good news. Those others do not have pure motives, and they preach about Christ. As they preach about Christ, they, they preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely, intending to make my chains more painful to me. But that doesn't matter. Whether their motives are false or genuine, the message about Christ is being preached either way. So I rejoice. And I was thinking about this with Fumi's church. It's like, you know, we all have opinions about like what a church should look like and how much the pastor should earn or not earn. Uh, and, you know, as long as I'm earning less than you, everybody's happy. But if I earn more than you, then everybody like complains. I mean, I, I, get, I get the drill. Okay, so, you know, but I'm thinking now in, in Fumi's church, I'm thinking, okay, the pastor, Learjet. I'm like, like something, part of me just like, okay, it's not right. Uh, and it's in Africa. It's like, 
that's even more not right. I don't know why it's not more not right, but some part of me is like, this is just a disconnect. I was like, well, how does this work? But like, can we just forget about that? And can we be more like Apostle Paul and say, okay, if they do church that way and people are coming to know Christ and Christ is like involved in their lives and their, their lives are improving, like, does it really matter? I mean, well, it does kind of matter, but okay, so if the preacher's got the wrong motives and he's like a little bit like evil, okay, but like, is the message getting out? You know, we shouldn't do it wrong. We should, we should do it right. I don't know what's right. I mean, we do it this way. I mean, they probably look at me and like, Pastor, like you're so clueless. You've you got to do church right. Let me, let me give you some tips on how to do church right. I mean, maybe they say, first thing you do is get the big blue 55-gallon drums and put them out there. I mean, I, I don't know what, you know. I mean, we so, admit it. When you go to another church, you're like, oh, I like this, don't like this. You know, that, oh, that guy, I wish you'd dress up a bit more or he's overdressed or, you know, cut back on the gold jewelry or add some jewelry. I mean, I don't know. We've got all these opinions about what it should look like or what it shouldn't look like. But can we pause and say, is Christ in the midst of all this mess being glorified? I mean, it's a weird thing. I understand. From I mean, we're battling as believers. Uh, Non-believers are like, you've got to be kidding me. I mean, I get that. But as Paul is saying, okay, people are preaching with all the wrong motives. The, the only reason they're preaching is because they want to make themselves famous and, and they realize that when they talk about Jesus, it works and maybe they're doing an offering and, and like, hey, this is cool. I've got a new job. I preach a little about Jesus and I have an offering and I pray for somebody to be healed. They get healed. It's like, really, it's a cool gig and they're just like into it. And Paul's like, okay, I, you know, whatever. Somehow or other, Jesus is being glorified. Uh, it, yeah, yeah, it's a mystery. Uh, but, we, but, but Paul is onto something. Paul was humble enough to say, look, we're going to do this right. He's going to do it right. He's going to be a model. He's going to show the way. And hopefully, the kingdom is going to advance. And hopefully, uh, people's lives are going to be changed and transformed as a result. Uh, that's the point that Paul is making. He's saying when we can partner with God and see the kingdom advance, there's, some, uh, there's a huge amount of joy that we experience. Even if we don't have all the goods, even if we unintentionally, you know, don't do it right or don't have, a, you know, all the bells and whistles that we need, we need to have. If the kingdom of God is advancing and people are connecting with Jesus, there's just a lot of joy uh, to be had. All right. Uh, the third point that I want to make here, joy in realizing God can change our circumstances. Okay, this is the obvious one, but I, I, I need us to focus on this. One of the hopes that Paul has is that he's not going to be stuck in prison forever. He's like, okay, uh, you know, God can change our circumstances. Pray for me. Uh, let me just read it. He says, so I rejoice and I will continue to rejoice. Verse 19, for I know that as you pray for me and the Spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, this will lead to my deliverance. Uh, Paul is more than aware of the fact that as we pray, God intervenes in our lives and our circumstances change. This is a, a huge amount of hope that we have. It's a huge joy that we have. Uh, again, let's just like summarize it. Paul is thinking that he's going to go to Rome as a preacher. God is thinking, I'm going to send Paul to Rome as a prisoner total disconnect. But when we connect with what God is up to, 
it's hugely rewarding. God can also change our circumstances. And when we see God change our circumstances, it, or know that God can change our circumstances, it gives us a tremendous amount of hope. We don't have to live in poverty. We don't have to live in sickness. We don't have to live with difficulties day in and day out. We have a sense that, God, you can make a difference. You can change. You can do the impossible. You can do the miraculous. We've seen you do it, and we desire you to, de desire you to do it again. That's part of the hope that we have. We live as people of faith. Uh, Jesus died on the cross. You know, from every standpoint, this would have been an absolutely terrible circumstance. A disaster. One with no hope. With no, like, future. You're just dead. And yet, uh, the very fact that Jesus was resurrected from the dead is the reason you and I are sitting here today. There's tremendous hope. Jesus can overcome every circumstance, including death. Uh, there's nothing that's too small for God to change or to do in our lives. There's a sense that as we obey God, as we follow God, as we enjoy His presence, God fellowships with us and He changes us and He transforms us and He gives us a life of joy. Now the starting point is, do we know Christ? Have we invited Him into our lives? That's the starting point. And, then the and that's like, for many people, it's like, okay, that's the end point. No, that's just the starting point. You know, it's an ongoing deal with God. Like, can we stay right with you? God, can we, like, confess our sins? Can we say we made a mistake? Can we get on track with you? Because we know when we live according to the way God wants us to live and align ourselves with the purposes that He wants to accomplish through us, there's a huge amount of joy and satisfaction that comes out of this. And so we're constantly saying, God, I need you. I need to correct my ways. I need to like, confess my mistakes. I need to get back on the track. And I need to continue to you know, focus on you. I need to continue to look at who you are and what you've done. That's the Christian way. So uh, let me just uh, end there and invite the, the worship team uh, to come up. But I want to read uh, two, two scriptures in closing. You can just like let this kind of maybe just wash over you. Well, firstly, in the King James, the more f familiar uh, version, Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. In the New Living Translation, it, it goes this way, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. There's a sense of, you know, we're not alone. God is in this. He's with us. Uh, Hebrews uh, 12.2 says, uh, in context, it says, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, Jesus, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor besides God's throne. And then Peter puts it this way in 1 Peter 1, 6. So be uh, truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though... You must endure many trials for a little while. So, Jesus, I just pray for your people. Lord, I just pray that you'd be with your people, that you would give them a sense of hope. No matter what trial, what sense of difficulty, they're not doing it alone. Uh, you're there. You're in it. You're for them. You love them. So, Lord, I just pray for a sense of joy which you impute and you impart. You've died on the cross for us. You've made a way possible for us to know you and know the things about you and to experience your love 
and to experience your mighty power in our lives. And Lord, I just pray for your people, those that are sitting here that have major difficulties, major concerns, major worries, and Lord, that you'd give them joy despite the circumstances. In your name, Jesus. Amen.